Hello and welcome to a cracking off-season special of a podcast this week that takes us into the mind of British-born US-based triathlon coach Ian O'Brien. Bringing the lessons learned from his military background to the world of high-performance sport, he reveals his key leadership principles, the importance of his athletes having a growth mindset, and why developing tacticians is as important as raw athleticism. His passion pours out of him, as evidenced by his roster's achievements recently, and the mantras he lives by will stick in your head for good. I hope you enjoy it. On the latest episode of the World Triathlon Podcast, we welcome the man behind the Origin Performance Training Group, Ian O'Brien. Ian moved to America in 2012, working as a volunteer coach in the US Military Academy, before getting snapped up by USAT to join the Elite Triathlon Academy at the Olympic Training Center. From that experience, he's been working with some of the best in the business, developing his own training group that currently includes the likes of Taylor Nibb, Victoria Lopez, Eli Hemming, and Matt McElroy, as well as guest athletes, including the Olympic and world champion, Flora Duffy. Ian, welcome. Where and how are you? Hi, Doug. Yeah, I'm in Boulder, Colorado right now, um, and I'm doing really well. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, how is Boulder this time of year? Cold? It's, it's, it's a bit chilly, but Boulder's kind of, it's kind of a funny place. It's got its own microclimate. Um, so it may be pretty chilly, um, but it's really sunny pretty much most of the time. So I don't walk out the door and feel like I'm in, in uh, Yorkshire in the middle of the winter. It's not, it's not so dull. It's actually really, really bright there. So it's really, really nice. So, and since you moved in 2012, is that right? Um, was it, has it, you've been in Colorado that whole time? I mean, Boulder is the Olympic training center and so on for, for the US, isn't it? Um, so I first moved to New York because I worked at um, United States Military Academy at West Point as a coach for a few years. And then I moved to Colorado. I actually moved to Colorado Springs because that's the location for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. So I lived there for four years, I think. And then I moved to Boulder several years ago. And that's kind of where I based my group out of now pretty much full time, unless unless we're doing camps around the world or moving from race to race. My knowledge of american geography showing a few holes yeah so the olympic training center colorado springs is um all manner of sports is it do you do you get much kind of crossover with the other residents there yeah i don't i don't i don't live there anymore at the time i spent there though was awesome and i still work heavily with um especially sports science and sports medicine there um and they do a fantastic fantastic job um but yeah there's multiple sports there there's actually several training centers in the united states you've got one in lake placid um there's a small one in utah there's one in um california as well which is mainly like track and field the one in colorado springs focuses on um, pentathlon weightlifting um boxing gymnastics swimming um triathlon um what else what else there's all sorts of sports going on it's 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 kind of like a little village actually it's really really cool I think I pride myself on building good relationships with um, service providers, sports specialists and other coaches. You know, you learn from everybody and I'm always learning all the time. I pride myself on being a growth type of individual. Um, I'm still learning every single day. I'm, um, I'm not a traditionalist. I kind of operate in a very, I wouldn't say unconventional, but not, not, not in a traditional manner. I'm always consistently learning and being in a location like um, Colorado and being close to the Springs, and working with those people there you come across all sorts of people with all sorts of ideas and um yeah it's 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 shared quite freely i think it's 
at the, at the end of the day, it's for the betterment of athletes and medal performance. And so having, you know, I have, I have mentors and sports specialists in from all sorts of different sports and with, with medal potential and, and medal performing backgrounds. So that helps me massively in approaching things. It's not just about um, physiology and, and, you know, the everyday running of things. It's like the mindset type of stuff and, and everything that really, all the other small ingredients that you don't really, really hear about, which actually kind of help. And you pick up things all the time, and especially on an operational um, kind of wavelength, if you like, like how you actually do business, you know, what is the best way to do it? And it, that combined with my previous background kind of helps me with my leadership principles, which I instill and help develop in my athletes to help them succeed and kind of develop their own autonomy and go out and achieve their own goals. So it's, it's an awesome place um, with awesome stuff. So, yeah, that was a, that was a long explanation. I kind of, I kind of went off on a tangent there. That was a long explanation of uh, it's just so exciting. Like the passion behind it and the passion behind, behind the people there is, is phenomenal really is yeah to be able to yeah tap <clears throat> tap into that kind of specialist knowledge must be absolutely invaluable uh you know even if you're not using the actual specifics then just different ways of analyzing things of looking at things and was that was that a period then that you you learned more during that that short time there than than in uh, you know other formative places that you've been um i think it's it's a it's a it's almost the same as how coaches talk to athletes about the process and coaches go through a process too so you know we're constantly growing and getting better all the time well good coaches are anyway i like to think and so from the principles and values and standards and standards instilled in me in my military experience and then moving over into a coaching world which is even in the military, as you as you move up through your rank, you end up coaching your soldiers anyway. So <clears throat> I've been coaching as well, like sports since I was 21. So um, I think as time goes by, you pick up things and little nuggets of information and just really cool ways of doing things. But you also come up with, um, and I think this is something that's is really important, is you, is, is you start to develop experiences. And as you go through those experiences, you know, some things that you attempt, you fail, and that's okay. You can learn from it and gain growth. But that experience through time just provides you with wisdom. And I think that wisdom is kind of what, what athletes look look towards. They want to have coaches who have that kind of depth of experience and knowledge and um, the same growth mindset as themselves to kind of like push themselves forward and achieve goals. So, yeah, that was definitely one of the places that helped me massively, just understanding the high performance circle and and other methodologies to um to support athletes in their in their goals for sure yeah absolutely and it's all cumulative isn't it you you just sort of bolt things on to experience knowledge you've already got or things that you just never think might be useful suddenly you're like okay this is this is applicable here and presumably i mean you you could be a successful triathlon coach well into your 60s and 70s right there's no and indeed potentially getting better that whole time do you think oh absolutely i mean there's some really good coaches out there who are who are are in their 60s um and some even older so in various sports yeah absolutely i think um yeah like experience over time um, breeds confidence so yeah like absolutely some of the some of the best coaches are 
generally guys who've been around and have some knowledge. There's some amazing thrusting young coaches, you know, and that's something that I try and help um, promote. Like it's, it's, it's good to see new people up and coming and developing new ideas. Um, and, and it's few and far between in triathlon, especially at the elite level. It's such a difficult place to get into and to kind of like be consistent and, and identify talent and then develop that talent to the next level or take on talent that's already in existence and, and polish, you know, polish diamonds, if you like, um, to, to get them to the very top. It's, it's definitely a hard challenge, but that's why I believe um, experience and wisdom actually play a huge part in this. And having people to, you know, to hold you accountable um, and ask questions. You know, if you've got people you can talk to about things that you've not come across before, you'll always learn something new. And I learn something new all the time. I learn things from some of my um, most inexperienced athletes all the time. It's, it's really, really interesting because coaching isn't just about delivering uh, physiological prescription. It's also about people. And that is the biggest part of this. You're trying to combine the scientific data and everything else that you 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 know and that you research and things that you experiment with and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and that's how you grow um that combined with actually how to apply it you know how to develop relationships more importantly trust and therefore belief like having athletes believe in what you do is a huge part of what we do because that gives them something to push off um my analogy is um for me as a coach i'm i'm basically a rock like i'm, I'm a guider I'm a collaborator and I'm a rock. So if an athlete is doing really, really well and let's say gets gets their first World Series podium and they're all, you know, super happy and high-fiving and all that good stuff. And um, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a pretty much a stoic. So they'll come up, give me a sweaty hug, which is always terrible, but <laughs> but um but, um, but I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, great, well done. Right now we've got to do better. This is what we've got to do. And so and then they move on and you know, my job is not, I celebrate, don't get me wrong, like absolutely, but my job is to be, I like to be that rock. And it's the same if people don't do well, you know, if they don't do well, they come to me and they're like, oh, that didn't go well. Okay, no dramas. Now we got to do better. So the outcome is always the same. The more is moving forward. My job is just to be that stable point in time to enable them to, to push off and to be reliable, to be trustworthy, um, to live and breathe the same values and standards that I instill in my athletes and help develop their own um leadership principles if you like and their autonomy to get the job done developing you know those kinds of things self-discipline and accountability so they can go and do their job yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I, I i certainly didn't mean to sound like you know oh hit 60 or 70 and you can't possibly do the job anymore <laughs> but i but i yeah. suppose more men in the context of you know where you are in your career it's like it, there's still so much that you could, you know, you, you could feel like you're, uh, you know, you're obviously capable of developing world champions, but at the same time, that might only happen in 10 years time, or that might, you know, to, to right. have that, that kind of period of, of knowing that, you know, this feels great now, but you know, it could get even better and there'll be bumps in that road, but <clears throat> yeah, a, a yeah. good place to be in, I presume. And, and a lot of it is obviously fed by this relentless churn of talent that's coming through that you've got to be on top of as, as well. Yeah. And I think you hit on a good point there is, um, um, you know, and this is a thing with new up and coming coaches coming into this and where I was a few years ago um, is you, you through those experiences, you start to develop 
new processes and ways of doing things. But one thing you seem to realize, or, or, or I seem to, I've realized a lot, and this is something I don't really talk to people much about is, and I have the same thing. I think there is, there is some characteristics about athletes, which um, that all that ring true for the types of people who actually get to that very, very top level. And, and even when they get there, it's an interesting thing. And people, people's goals change all the time. And, you know, for example, going through the, the COVID period, it was really just even getting to a race. Can we get to a race? Like, is this, is this even going to happen? And that becomes the goal. And we're preparing for that as, as best we can, but we have to be flexible, a really, really important uh, principle or, you know, thing to, to think about with flexibility and in, 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 especially in this job. And we may not even get there. So we've got to continually moving goals, but then when we get there, the goal is then achieved. And then we're moving on to the next one. And then the next one and the next one. So that could be something as easy as or as basic as um, um, getting through the COVID period, getting to a race or, you know, winning a World Cup or winning a World Series or winning an Olympic medal or whatever it is. And it's really interesting because I found and I have the same thing myself is even though you've done that and this is a big goal, you get there, the goal happens. Now what? You're moving forward. You're not going, oh, my God, I've made it. This is it. Great. I'm satisfied. This there's always this constant thirst for this 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 satisfaction and these achievement of goals, which I don't think ever actually materializes. I think as elite athletes and coaches, you're constantly moving forward. You may achieve something, you're really happy with it, and you learn from it. But I think those people I've worked with who really, really continue to keep performing are people who are never satisfied. And I think that's the same way I am as a coach. I want the very best for my athletes. I'll do everything and go above and beyond all the time and dig deep. And that's the same thing with with athletes who are that successful. So, so yeah, like interesting, but and, and it it's not. It, it sounds a bit depressing, really. Like you're not going to be happy with it, but it's not. It's actually fantastic because when you sit back at the end of the season, you look back. And you're, oh my, God, look at look at what's happened. Like this is amazing. When I look back at my career over the last seven or eight years as a, as a, an elite coach, and I look at all the steps that my athletes over the years have, have performed and, and, and the effect that I've had as a coach, it's like phenomenal. And that's what it is for me is to see and be part of something bigger than myself and seeing people actually grow and develop and knowing I've had a small part in that is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, let's talk about Matt McElroy <laughs> and Leeds and that uh, first podium in a world series that he achieved seeing that, sheer delight and then that sense i spoke to him shortly after in nerzeltan at the at the world cup there and you know there was no sense that he was anything like satisfied with that there was absolute delight and and everything and you could see that as he crossed the line and he obviously felt that this was a, a huge moment but it was like right next next um did you did you see when you know those those subsequent training sessions and so on was he was he back and hitting it harder than ever did you notice a little switch in him no i think to be honest i think it was more it just elevates that that um belief process really it's it was more a case of okay we're obviously doing something right here this works uh, and okay let's keep doing it <clears throat> i think there's a lot of people who um start doing really well and start performing and then start changing things and i think that's the key thing i think especially going into things like an olympic games or for for matt going into because the races he had after that he had like three world cup wings back to back and it was really just okay what worked 
what was it that worked and it wasn't just the physiology and the training and everything it was it was the the mental approach how we how you reduce and relieve anxiety and how you deal with pressure and more importantly how you take it on and how you want to affect the battle like what can i do rather than being a passenger in the race i want to be a player in the race i want to have an effect on this i want to i want to be you know i want to come out the other side of this race and having having an, an outcome that's actually been driven by me and not just me following other people and i think that's something we breed in training and i think he continued to do that throughout the season and i think once you get once you get to that point i think it really helps and we have a we have a process kind of a belief process that we follow um and i think that's kind of like i wouldn't say it's, it's one of the ingredients because there's many ingredients to this but um the aim for me is to to push people you know and i don't mean to push them into they're in the hurt locker or anything or or you know, make it an uncomfortable situation. Although being comfortable with being uncomfortable is part of sport. You you know, things are never easy. If you if you want to achieve achieve things, you have to push yourself. But if you put people in a position where they have to be bold and they have to you know take control of their own destiny, if you like, including in training sessions or in races, and you breed that in training, then it's going to come out in races. And I think that's what happened with Matt in those races specifically. And um, so what we do is. Like sometimes there'll be sessions and we're like, oh, this is this is quite a tough looking session. So, you know, and it might not be achievable. It might not seem achievable. My goal is to push them. So like, okay, look at it like this. Let's say it's an example of swim. We'll break the swim down and we go through each and individual part. And I want you to focus on specific things within that. So we're compartmentalizing even down to the micro level, even in, in, including in sessions. And we're focusing on the, the each individual strengths and weaknesses as we do it. And then what looks like a really hard workout to start with because they broke it down and they're focusing on staying in the moment and focusing on what's happening right now, not worrying about the end of the swim set or how you felt because you've done a session earlier in the day. You can't change the past. You can only change the future by living in the present. So once you do that and you're bold in that and you repeat that, so you go through the process it's happened so many times where the whole group has looked at a swim workout and it's usually swims where it happens. You're like, wow, that's just looks like it's going to be a bit cheeky. And so, um, and they get through it and get to the other end and like they're all like like i'm not a big fan of high-fiving that's not my my thing but they're all like high-fiving having a good time i'm like this is fantastic because one of the obviously fundamentals of what we do is making things fun but but they've achieved it but they've done it by being bold and then my my job then is to repeat that repeat being bold repetition creates belief belief creates confidence Confidence enables control. Once you're in control, you can then develop capability. And that's kind of my job. And that's kind of what Matt did in those races and continues to do. So once you've got um, that way of thinking, and it's something I use in races, you know, many coaches use different things and cues for athletes. And every athlete's different. Like I, I coach every athlete, not completely different, but very, very differently. Everyone's got different approaches. And it's a collaboration between me and each individual person. But generally in a race, a key word is, are you in control? Stay in control because that's a system to check, to look at yourself and go, am I doing the right? Am I being the best me right now in this moment? Am I overcooking this? Am I being bold? Am I taking a risk? Am I pushing myself to the next level? Am I making sure I'm setting the conditions for my success? So these are questions they'll ask themselves. So it sounds very serious, but it's actually good fun. And when you break it down into sessions, and you go over it and come out the end it's it's actually great like it sounds all really really serious but it's everything's like pretty chill in in, in essence it's just a met it's just really just a way of just getting through the process and and having that and i think you know specifically with matt from 
his getting a silver medal in Leeds and then going on through other races after that was because he was just following that process and we were just really repeating what worked for him. So, yeah. I was going to ask about how, well, basically how your psychological versus the, the physical sort of training, like do you have almost classroom sessions where you work specifically on the psychological side of things, then you came out with some absolute wonderful little nuggets there that made me quite made it quite clear that you're um you know you can you can uh, inspire people in not very many words i would imagine uh yeah i guess do you, how much do you work on the psychological side of it just on its own so you know you're not in the pool or you're not on the track or whatever it's like right today we're going to do an hour or two hours of being in the moment and keeping that clear head when it's important and when matt found himself you know ahead of Javi Gomez and whatever in Leeds what was what what were the tools that you were comfortable confident that he had that you'd given him that he was he was about to convert that that really strong position I think in all in all honesty he had them tools himself I'm just my job is to bring them out um I think that's with most people who who achieve really good things at our level um, um but I think it was all about being in control I think once 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 he started to see that he, things were working, it, it almost gives him that elevated level of confidence and that is in control. And I think that's really it. Like, and then just taking a risk, like being bold. I think there's, I mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of, there's a lot of races who are phenomenal, like absolutely amazing. Some people are passengers and some people is, some people will actually affect the bat. They will go out there and do something tactically. They're a bit more tactically minded. It's something we do in training is we'll, you know, and it's, again, it's, it's pretty low key, but we'll add certain things to training sessions. So actually I will take every opportunity I can, not just the physiological side of training and that training stimulus and prescription, but also adding in, okay, now we're going to think about A, B, C, and D, like adding tactics to it. Cause my job is to develop tacticians so that they can go out and use the things that we've de developed physiologically effectively. So You've got to be able to read the race. You've got to be able to have situational awareness. You've got to be able to take opportunity. And we have a military term, we call it actions on. So depending on what is happening within the race, we will, um, and this is something Matt Matt does and other athletes I coach do the same thing. And we develop that. Everybody's slightly different, but, you know, we'll also make opportunity. So it's not just about, um, okay, this is the race and this is where I'm at and this is what I have to do. Like, no, like, what do I, what do I want to achieve out of this? What is my capability? Where do I stand against the rest of my competitors? What, what strengths to hire do I have as an individual to use, um, to enable me to, to have an effect upon them, whether that's working with them in a group to push forward, to break away or whatever, or, um, to actually use, um, attrition as a, as a tactic to kind of wear people down because you know, you're going to run faster or whatever it's going to be. So several different methodologies depending on each athlete is different. And because everyone's asked, has different strengths and weaknesses my job is to identify those to develop those to work on those weaknesses or areas of growth they're massive but especially if they're a really good athlete like trying to capitalize on the areas where they're not strong is kind of something that really really brings people forward um so in terms of the mental approach it's really just giving people tools to do a job you know and in terms of this the psychology of what we do i think i'm not a psychologist um i've, I've studied um but I don't use specific psychological um, approaches to it 
I use like a more of a mental mindset approach to it. And so my, when I, when I deal with um, most of my athletes have psychologists themselves and those psychologists are generally nine times out of 10 are used for reducing anxiety and for dealing with pressure and to give people strategies to, to do those sorts of things, especially when you're traveling around the world and, and having to execute, like keeping yourself nice and level and as, as, as calm as possible, but effective. My job is to develop a tactical mentality to, to be bold and to actually take opportunity and to create opportunity. So I do that in training and then psychologists will deal with all the other stuff. So who's the most sort of natural tactician that you've, worked with do you think who who kind of takes that kind of that sort of thing on board and and equally can can you reach the top if you're not necessarily the best swim bike runner but tactically you have a certain edge and equally if you're just a pure swim bike runner can you do it without any tactical nous whatsoever oh that's a hard question ah <laughs> uh, yeah I, I don't uh I think no. I'd say it's a bit of everything because I'm not. <laughs> and I, I was going to say that, but I kind of can't. Right, so I, I don't know. I think it it also depends on the race because no race is the same. Like courses yeah. are different. Different people have got different strengths and weaknesses. You know, like Abu Dhabi, for example, is is you know superior bike handling. You know, really short critical power um, and really come into play. Whereas other races like. Edmonton, for example, is like long, you know, it's not a very technical course, but it is a very like power orientated course, but not so much higher numbers. It's more consistently uh, higher numbers, but a lower range. So, yeah, it, I don't know. Um, are there, are there I, people? Uh, yeah. Okay. So that was a, sl- a slightly <laughs> banana question. Sorry. Yeah, that was, I can't answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> but are there, are there people that you have worked with that you have maybe dissected a race with them afterwards and gone oh I've, I've never heard anyone think about it in that way or that have brought certain things yeah to you as a coach that, that have made you sit up and, and take i think on board and i'll be honest i think they all do like every one of my athletes does that like if we sit down and do a race review generally you don't do it straight away we'll do it a little bit of time so they have some time to reflect but We'll either do a race report or sit down, talk about it, or watch watch the race on Triathlon Live, like a replay, and just go over. Okay, this is what happens. What happened? And it generally, only happens if you if the athletes at the front because they get to get more um, footage, so it's a lot more useful. Um, and that's obviously something something I I I push quite heavily. Um, it's been at the front of the course, but yeah. So everyone's everyone does that, and I learn from them. Um, I would say this last year, Taylor Nib was a standout in that regard. Her tactical development this year was phenomenal so from the beginning of the year um like yokohama was more of a race of like oh my god we it, it worked it was like it, we pulled it off it kind of happened you know and then as races went through the season you know we we went through a season of exploration not execution that's kind of how we termed it and that was more of a case of trying to learn um what we need to do to to do the to be the best we can be basically and so that meant taking risk so there were certain races we did through the season and i'm not going to go into too much detail that were not even about winning they were about pushing yourself and pushing and seeing what effect you can have on other people and then see what the outcome is and then that's how you get to read the race because then in the future 
when it really, really counts, i.e. an Olympic selection process or, or, or something similar, then we can use those tools to, to affect what we need to affect in and, and get the result we need. So Taylor was phenomenal at that. Like it's, it's interesting because you've interviewed her and other people have, and some of the things that I say, she'll say them in the interview. And I'm like, and that's, that's the point for me where I'm like, okay, this is sinking in. This is amazing. Like that's, that's the point where I'm like, oh my God, this is great satisfaction. This is, this is where I get the satisfaction. Don't get me wrong. I want people to win and, and achieve their goals. But when you see you can have a positive effect on an, on, on an individual, um, both in, in, in their sport, but as, as a person, how they think and they're like developing themselves, like it's, that's next level for me. I think that's what I, I really, really like. So yeah, that happened a lot. Um, but going through the reviews afterwards and then seeing things like there's there's opportunities for Taylor Nib, for example, there was one race back in 2016 world championships in Cozumel when she was a junior and it started young for her. So there was, she, she'd actually come out of the water quite far back. I think she told me afterwards, she goes, yeah, you know, I just felt like laying on the, on the, I just felt like stopping and laying on the tarmac at that point and just quitting. Cause I was like 45 seconds down from the lead, which is not where she should have been. And, but she kept going right so um she got on the bike she caught up with the lead pack eventually drove through and then pushed um pushed the lead pack through attrition ended up breaking with with two other girls i can't remember who it was i think one of them was lisa turch and it may have been i don't know sure the other one was but um they broke away and on one of the 180 turns she kept pushing and kept trying to attack and she weren't she wasn't shaking and they were staying on and on one of the 180 turns and this is obviously thinking about tactics they came out the 180 turn she was at the back the other two girls were in front and both of them grabbed their water bottle at the same time and that's when she attacked so she attacked broke the elastic band gone and that was it and she, so you know and that's not me i never taught her to do that she did it herself so but having that tactical ability and that awareness and like taking that opportunity making an opportunity was for her was early on so by the time we get to 2021 you know and things have things have changed and grown a lot from there that 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 ability has developed quite a lot and it's exponentially been so in this in this autumn especially so we're, we're already looking now about this this season of exploration what are we going to do next year what does the next few years look like what do i need to change as a coach to be a better coach to facilitate the things that we've learned um and what does taylor need to do to be a better athlete because even though she's had a fantastic year this year it, we want to do better going back to my rock analogy right okay fantastic now we got to do better so it's always moving on but exploration versus execution and we're still going to continue that process i think um for a short while until until we get to a point where we're like okay now we need to like turn all the knobs and and then use some of the stuff we've learned and as far as race reviewing the nature of triathlon is that as a coach you there's absolutely no way you can keep an eye on everything that's going on so it things like the bottle pick up she would you know how would you have known that if she hadn't told you kind of thing so yeah right i can imagine from each of those it's it's those are the little things that you're desperate to to hear right and be like okay wow that yeah that's that's brilliant that's like to have that presence of thought there and then you can tell other people if you, you know that that obviously worked there's a case study right there um i think it's i think it's, it's going back to the start i think um 
being a collaborator, like my job as a coach is not to tell an athlete what to do. My job is to work with an athlete and figure out together as a team, what are the best things to do? Because one thing I can do is like, I can see the reaction to training stimulus and some of the other stuff we do. I don't know how an athlete feels. I don't know what they're thinking, you know, so working together and being a team that way, like a team as, as an athlete and coach. And I have these relationships with all my athletes. Each one of them is slightly different. And then I have like an all-encompassing set of principles. So we all work together and have a great team culture and push each other and have fun. Like this is, I don't want to do this if this isn't fun. And I love doing this. Like the passion I have for this is phenomenal. And I just love doing it, working with, I have such, I'm so lucky. And I know coaches around the world feel the same. I'm great friends with some of the other best coaches around the world. And um, having the honor and the kind of, the privilege to to work with people who have a very similar mindset and you can help them push them to the next level is phenomenal. You know, and I haven't had that since, since being in the army, because you have the same kind of thing, like everybody's on the same team working together, team cohesion, you know, you, you, the trust and belief that you have in each other and how you actually operate and the values and standards to push and push yourself forward to achieve the mission or to achieve a goal is very similar. Um, but my military experience isn't like, shouting and you know i think people go oh i do shout at your athletes i'm like no that's not, how, that's not how it works um my job is to develop like autonomy and like i said those those having that tactical ability but more importantly having self-discipline to do the right thing all the time every time no matter what you're doing and where you're at and having accountability i think accountability is the biggest one for me even as a coach you have to be accountable too and i think having those principles those two especially are really key prerequisites to people who are successful like not just in in sport but in the military in business and in sport and it's having athletes like taylor come on board you mentioned the the podcast we did with her and that was a that was one of those great chats where she was very sort of open and honest and i think it only just joined you and was saying you know that bit of how she was fitting into the group and obviously felt she was perhaps like almost a bit overexcited to be there and kind of firing questions and da 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 and say, oh it was it was a very kind of amusing and honest way that she was kind of reflecting on those those first few weeks and months but you have someone like her come into the to the group or into your sphere and then you have that then is another impetus for you right as a coach that pushes you on that's asking you questions as well as it's not it's not about you just asking your your athletes questions is it every time presumably someone new comes in whether it's Rand Sajiv or Edda or, or you know then that that gives you another another thing to think about to work on yeah for sure it's funny because <clears throat> Taylor is very um open and uh um very good at kind of like externalizing how she feels and like what she's thinking like um Easy. she's quite easy to read i mean for me she's easy to read i think she'll tell you that too but i mean it's interesting because some of the quietest athletes have like sandra dode for example is one of those people who like she's she's i think she's like the funniest athlete one of the funniest athletes i've got because she'll come out with one line and like where did that come from like and she's just like amazing like and um yeah like there is definitely something from everybody taylor's one of those people who's actually very outgoing and um but i think in all honesty, I think she's actually kind of an introvert, but it's just her way of like, you know, expressing herself in, in a public environment. It's, it, I think she's, you know, some athletes struggle with it and I think she's doing a great, fantastic, she's doing a fantastic job, but 
um other people who like going back to sandra who's like really normally quite quiet but actually very smart very hard working has exactly the same um work ethic as somebody like taylor mm-hmm. i'm excited to see where she goes actually and um yeah it's 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 interesting like everybody's different everyone's got different ways of you know different personalities different characteristics another reason why this is just such an awesome job to have you get to work with all sorts of people especially when you put them all together because everybody learns off each other too like you know it makes it fun um when somebody somebody's like cracking a really funny joke but you know at the end of the day when we do work we do work when it's time to kind of chill and relax we we, we identify the differences and all of those things must have been tested sort of to the fullest through the last two years as well. And, you know, with the, the COVID difficulty as well as the, the Tokyo postponement and, and, you know, various athletes being injured and so on. So there is that, obviously, that, that those times where your job is almost just like morale boosting has to take over everything else is there as well like there must have been some some tricky times if you've say got you know two or three athletes that are maybe not firing and, and you can't quite figure out why or they've got a tweaked something and you know how how do you find yourself responding in those in those situations yeah it's an interesting question um i think the last two years has been a challenge for everybody and and the postponement of tokyo actually changed the dynamic not just of the race, but who actually raced the race because there was people who um, probably would have been selected. For example, Matt McElroy, he didn't get selected for the games as an individual. He actually went there as a reserve. Um, And should the games have happened in 2020, I think he would have been selected. I think he actually picked up an injury, um, something, some biomechanical misalignment, which which kind of took him out there, took him out the fray for a while. So he wasn't back up to full fitness by the time we got back to racing fully and therefore showcasing um, his capability, um, which we've worked through quite well. And I'm looking forward to 2022 for Matt. Um, and yeah, that was a challenge, you know, so, and other people like Taylor Nib, for example, wasn't in a position to qualify for the games if, if Tokyo would have happened in 2020. So it's interesting how it all flips around and people who look like a dead cert don't go. And people who like probably were not on the radar crushed it just because of time and what's happened in the last two years. That has been an interesting thing to manage because two things there, you've got like the excitement and, you know, euphoria of people reaching their goals and you've got other people who are disappointed because something's happened and, you know, it's, it's, it's a roadblock, you know, and we look at it as if it's a bump in the road, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's always another triathlon, there's always another race, there's another Olympics. I know that another Olympics is, you know, four years apart, or in this case, three years, it is a big thing, but, you know, depending on how much they want to achieve those goals and they can sometimes push through it, but it is difficult. Mm-hmm. Ultimately going back to what we talked about earlier about reaching those goals. And then even though you've reached them, you're not, you're not satisfied, you're still pushing forward and to get better and better. Um, you can find new goals. You don't always have to be, you know, the ultimate goal might be to win an Olympic medal or something similar, be a world champion or or whatever it is. It could be something as simple as just getting on a World Cup podium for some people. Um, and so as long as you can, I think having the flexibility, I think another thing we talked about earlier, something I still instill in people is because you never know what's going to happen. Like we have a saying in the army, no plan survives contact with the enemy. So as soon as you can plan with 
you know, they call it military precision. There's no such thing as military precision because as soon as something happens, it all goes out the window and you have to make changes. And it's like having that ability to be flexible and work on the fly and be fl- and, and move through these problems is kind of what gives people the strength to actually push forward. So the last two years has been definitely difficult, um, but I think we've capitalized on it. And we've been positive about it. And we've, we've made it into an opportunity. And I think that's the right way of going about anything when you, you're faced with something um, as catastrophic as what's really been happening to the world. Um, and I think as a group and as a team, we, you know, we, we're a training group, but we, we have team principles because I think that's important. I think teams are far more, even though this is an individual sport, um, we, we pride ourselves on working as a team because then we all kind of like help each other and move through this as a team and enjoy the process. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been difficult. My job really has been completely about um, realigning and setting new goals when things have changed and when people have had problems for example like matt with his with his um the biomechanical problem that he had it's like working through those problems with him and being there for him and helping him through that process like my job is not just to go it's just not to deliver training peaks uh training prescriptions or or whatever method i'm using at the time um it is absolutely to be you know in support of what what the athletes needs are and be flexible with that so I have to be flexible too. I wonder if for Matt, do you think it made it a little, or maybe Eli as well, a little easier to to swallow not being there, seeing Kevin smash it out of the park in uh, in Tokyo and do better than, you know, by his own admission, he probably, you know, that he left very happy. And you think, well, if you're going to give your, if your spot, you know, the spot is going to someone else, then that's kind of what you want to see would you say uh i think i mean i don't think anybody um wants to not be there after it there being their goal so that's it was definitely hard for matt um Mm. i also had so at the time i was coaching um i coached eli hemming and matt mcelroy at the time and morgan pearson would like come in and do swims with us for key swims and kevin actually did a couple of camps with us early on and mainly just did swim work so we so we worked together they're all friends and it definitely makes it really hard and it was hard on um um matt and kevin i think because they both one was selected and one wasn't you know they're both kind of working together on sessions here and there and when we go to races they were like living in the same accommodation in places like ozachina etc so it's hard when you have those friendships and something like that happens and one gets selected another one doesn't and you know we were obviously fighting for the third spot for team usa and i think it turned out in Wotolku. actually there were some races that happened before that actually kind of like indicated how it would go eli unfortunately hurt his foot um a couple of weeks before Wotolku and he needed to achieve a certain amount of points to secure that third spot for america and australia sco- scooped it up instead um, so that kind of like changed everything because at that point we thought, yeah, we're good. We're all good. Everyone's going together. It's not a drama. And then that happened. It was, it was kind of hard for everybody. And, you know, it's, it, it, it took a bit of time, I think, for people to go, oh, well, I thought I was going to go to the Olympic Games. It was looking really good. And now I'm not going. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. And it's a lot for me to, my job really is to be the rock again and just help people through it and give people other things to focus on and Matt did a fantastic job of that I think at first it was hard it's definitely it was probably hard for Kevin too but Kevin went there and did a fantastic job you know he went there and um had an amazing result for him he had such a breakthrough and I'm really happy for him I think that's fantastic and I think Matt's happy happy for him too so yeah it's definitely hard um and sometimes you've got to 
put aside your personal goals and, and your personal ambitions and just, you know, be happy for the team and Team USA did a, did a great job and Kevin did a great job and, you know, Matt's, Matt's turn will come. So it's all swings and roundabouts, right? So, yeah, hard, but you got to get, you got to get through it. I mean, it's life. These things happen, right? So being yeah. flex, got to be flexible. And then again, like there's no one size fits all for particularly for, for that kind of thing for someone who doesn't make it to the game, for someone who does make it to the game, doesn't quite achieve what they would have wanted. And, you know, that, that, that other kind of flatness that you would experience and whether it's right, let's get straight back to the next race or actually you need a bit of a break or, you know, that is very much down to that individual, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, <laughs> some athletes are relentless and you have to hold them back and go, no, 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 this is, we have to be, let's, 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 let's take this one step at a time. Um, Taylor Nib is one of those people you have to kind of like rein in. But I think that's part of the reason why she's successful is because she's got this like this massive desire and thrust to to push herself. And she likes to compete. She likes to race. She wants to race against the best people and she wants to be able to test herself. And I think it's amazing. Like there's not many people who do that. So there is a there is in our sport, there is plenty, but generally in life there is not. So it's definitely something special. And it's the same with Matt and um and other people i've coached to kirsten casper is another one this last year who actually um did a fantastic job of um she'd been coming back from injury she came to me um, i think it was november last year and um she did a great job of getting back in there and trying to put herself back in the fight and phenomenal um resiliency and um yeah mm. fantastic so yeah everybody is different how they operate and and you know, the tools that they have, the tools that they bring and the tools that I help develop like all together. Um, yeah. Can create some fantastic experiences. And as someone who will have set herself a huge uh, target and ambitious target for Tokyo and had started the year so well, how was, and, and you said as someone that you can read quite well, how, how was Taylor after the games? Presumably, you know, that was, that was not a, a finish that she would have dreamt of and yeah yeah how was that those first conversations how was her immediate reaction oh it's definitely an interesting question because it was kind of mixed because um obviously team usa took a silver medal in the in the relay and she played a fantastic part in that and she's really happy about that but i think you know her individual aspirations and goals she wanted to obviously be a key member of the team that was huge a huge part of her goal process that was something that was really important to her she wanted to contribute to the team but she also had her own desires of um you know having the best performance that she can have actually in the individual race excuse me and um that didn't plan out as as we as we would have liked i think the weather had a massive effect on a lot of people and i think um there were some things happened in the swim she got caught behind certain people and um yeah, just just didn't she didn't come out on the swim where she needed to be, I think, to, to actually have the ability to affect the battle. And then I think it was it was kind of like a case of survival in the race of not crashing and not going down because of the the rain, et cetera. And I think that's far more important because I think the long goal then is like, okay, I'm not in the position I wanted to be in. You know, and I'm 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 kind of like talking from my perspective, not hers, but um I think her aim then was like, okay, I need to have an effect on the, on the, on the relay, like, and me going down right now on the bike, pushing myself and trying to catch, 
up is probably not going to be the best way to do that. So um, there is there is an element of like being bold and taking that risk to the point of what is the cost, you know, benefit to the to the team at the end of the day. And I think she heavily wanted to support Team USA as well, as well as a personal goal. So yeah, she was very happy to to win a medal and be part of that team thing. I think she learned a lot from the whole experience and um, walked away from there. Like, because the Olympic Games is a completely different race. It's not like a World Series race. There are so many other things involved. You know, you walk into the the Olympic Village and it's like it's like walking into the Super Bowl and it's just the Super Bowl is full of athletes that you see on the TV from different sports all over the world and you, you're bumping into them all the time. Like, it's like, oh my God, I'm a starstruck. So there's that plus the fact that the enormity of it, how big it is, you know, there's a lot of other factors that have an effect. And I think sometimes people do a really good job of like lapping it up and using that to give them strength to move forward. And other people, I think it, it can be overwhelming. So, and I think in some of my athletes who went to the games, I think some, it was, they used it for strength and other people, it was like, wow, this is, this is a lot. And I think they learn a lot from that. So moving on from that, actually from the games, going to the next games in Paris, some, for some of those people, they're like, okay, I've got to come at this with a different perspective because this is huge and I want to do better in the race next time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting about getting caught in the swim as well. And I guess, there was like the, the pontoon draw was was interesting, wasn't it for for her and like where she ended up. I wondered if that mm. yeah that kind of fed into the, that that difficult position in the in the swim. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a discussion we had. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it definitely, I definitely think it it, it had a, a little bit potentially, but I think the fact that she took that position it meant she could swim by herself when she was on her own and she could actually have her race to start with rather than being around other people and I think we did the same in in Edmonton actually and she was on the right hand side Flora was on the far left had Kirsten and Vittoria swimming next to each other in the middle and all four of those people met pretty much at the buoy at the first buoy almost like pushing ahead it was an interesting race and then whereas the Olympic Games it, it didn't work out that way I'm not sure you know the you know there's 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 who knows what's happening in the race this, the swim is one of those things where you have to be in control and you've got to get yourself forward as quickly as possible and sustain, you know, it's not that the tactic is very different in the swim than what it is anywhere else. You know, you pacing and, you know, cornering tactics and everything in the bike and the run are actually very different. I think, and it can have, you know, you can, you can have the most amazing swim and it can set you up, but if you don't, it can, you know, you can have real problems. So Maybe the pontoon draw had something to do with it. We're not really sure. I think, I think there's a lot more to it. There's so there's. It depends on who you're next to. It depends on who gets in front of you. How you get around them, you know the 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 flow of the water, you know, and the distance to the first buoy, etc. Mm. Yeah. And as someone that you said, you know, you have to rein in slightly from there. <laughs> yeah she her competitive spirit is is very mm. clear and i'm sure she would race absolutely everything that she could possibly do but so from you know the, i suppose like the demands the different demands of doing the montreal weekend which was you know a lot of super sprint racing <laughs> with the elimination format then there's the collins cup and there's the her first 70.3 in september wasn't it um mm -hmm. yeah yeah, like, 
and she would be the first person would she to, to throw her hat in the ring and say right I want to do that I want to do that that looks interesting I'd like to do that um yeah that's, ex- that's how exactly do you, how do you plot that kind of calendar that route around the calendar for someone who given half a chance would just do everything that uh you play? don't you don't plot that's the problem <laughs> as well. so the, the the way the approach is again flexibility we've got to be flexible but and taking opportunity and making opportunity and so with 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 that series of racing that wasn't the plan initially of course like we weren't that wasn't what we we planned to do through the season we planned on focusing on um seeing like the exploration process of of seeing what we can do and what effect we can have throughout the rest of the year after the olympic games excuse me and then um but when these opportunities you know came up like for example boulder 70.3 is in boulder where we train it's easy we know the roads we know we know all the turns inside out like the familiarity there was easy and you know taylor was like okay uh, what do you think about this and like previously you know all the way back from when she was like 17 years of age she'd be like hey i want to do a 70.3 i'm like not like, like you can do what you want like, it's not my job to tell an athlete what to do like my job is to advise and I'm like, i don't think that's the best idea whereas this time when she asked me she thought i was going to say no and i'm like you know what let's have a look at it she's like really i'm like yeah let's 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 talk through it let's see what see how it can have an effect and you know what what the consecutive races are looking like and because montreal had quite a difficult um lockdown process like hotel rooms i think we've had that a lot in the season i think athletes have done really well federations have done really well managing that and servicing people to make sure that everybody gets what they need i think it's been like a fantastic um effort by everybody um to enable the sport to continue and that was definitely something that we okay well like training stimulus and the races that we've got coming up later in the season are something that we don't want to lose too much fitness now. So we could use Boulder 70.3 as a training event, not something I'm I'm a big fan of or promote. So Boulder 70.3, which was the first one, was not designed for her to go and win or to, um, you know, to get on the podium or anything like that. It was really just like something that was interesting, something she wanted to do. Let's see what we can do. And then we, we, we talked through start to finish the strategy in the swim. You know, we talked about, you know, cause she's never done a long course race before she's on a road bike, like she's taping gels to the top tube. And there's many long course athletes kind of making fun of her because she doesn't have a bento box and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm a, I'm like, you know, that doesn't really matter. We're not. Oh, we're not. Bento box. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was an interesting concept, but I'm like, okay, no problem. And so we, so we worked around that and, you know, um, we strategized power numbers on, and it was a collaboration actually. She, this was something where she actually led a lot of it. She was like, okay, I think I should go through this like this. So I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. Okay. What about this section? I'm like, okay, no, I don't think you should do that. I think you should do this. Or okay. So it's like a collaboration from start to finish on how we're going to execute the race. And then, um, and then because the race, the, the run course, we actually run on quite a lot for endurance runs and some tempo work. It's, it's kind of a rolling run. So holding pace is a difficult thing to do. So projected paces and outcomes where we, we, we weren't sure what was going to happen, but we knew, you know, she, she wanted to still do well, even though it was a training session. So she actually did a really good job. So she held, I gave her caps and she, she stuck to them and she still took um, a third place. So that was pretty good. And, um, you know, it was good fun. So, but also she come out the other side. Yeah. It's still difficult, still harder, but wasn't completely trashed. Um, so 
the biggest key then was like regeneration and recovery and then getting ready for the next race, which, um, which was Montreal. So then that became a completely different way of training because then to think about and being imaginative to like how to keep people's, you know, fascia working and flexibility and muscle engagement, et cetera, within a hotel room environment. So working with a strength coach, like doing run drills in the hotel room with running on the spot and using bands and cords. And like, obviously the bike trainer was obviously hugely important there, but um, mm. having to do that through that period, I think was, was huge too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I mean, that must've been one of the most challenging things as a, as a coach, knowing that your athletes are, are basically kind of shut up and then, and in Edmonton, there were obviously run opportunities weren't them but mm -hmm. it's very much like big groups going together this is basically just a, a leg shake out we can't do anything i mean not that you would i suppose that close to a race be doing anything. no like it was really a case because she raced back to back for about five weekends and and um you know those were really technically her intensity and training everything else was about recovery and keeping the dream alive really that's what that was about and you know we actually lost quite a bit of aerobic endurance by the end because we weren't able to get in the sessions that we needed to kind of sustain that so by the time we got to 70.3 worlds in saint george um she was still in great shape still did still did well still um took third in worlds and um but probably was not not in optimal shape for that race at all. Like it was really more an opportunity and exploration than it was about the execution and we want to go and win this. It was more about let's see what we can do, let's see what we can learn, and let's take what we learn and use that to to strategize and develop prescriptions for what we do in the future. And you know, both in physiological terms, but men, the nutrition was obviously a a bigger a bigger consideration in that distance of racing along with the, the, the mental approach, because you, you're racing for a lot longer. And so you've really got to think about what you're doing for a lot longer and not be distracted. So staying focused and also being tactically savvy in such an extended race was also a massive learning thing. And I think it's, it's awesome. Such, you know, you, you've got to keep taking away. It's not just about the position. It's like what you learn within the race and every race that you do. And if I could give advice to any athlete, that's what you need to do. Or that's what I suggest you do is take every opportunity you can make the very best of it and walk away with it with things that you've learned. Even if you fail, it's okay to fail. Just learn from it and use that and move forward with it and use that to actually better yourself in the future. Hmm. Did she find that uh, concentrating for that period of time you know in a, in a race situation did you find did she say that that was particularly challenging or was she no actually not <laughs> so it was interesting because she would come past me and i i engineered like because my the way i operate like i'm very um i want athletes to be in control of their own destiny including the race but if i can give information which is going to help them make a tactical decision then i'm going to do it so i'm going to put myself like on a world series race for example i'm nowhere near transition i'm out on the course i'm on a hill i'm in a position where i can actually give information i've got a board with splits on it like to you know and i'll break it into two so that the distance to the people who are in front the people to the distance in back or whatever else and i know other teams use letters and numbers for team players in there so their athletes can react accordingly too um so that's what I did on that, on that course, um, is I went out and tried to figure out the logistics for me was obviously a lot more difficult, um, where I needed to be on the course and then where I could leapfrog along the course to keep giving that information. And so I actually saw her about four or five times on the bike, which was a challenge because I had to get around and there's road closures and I had to, you know, cops. Were, 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, the, the, it would take me forever because it's like, you know, it's like 30 miles from one side to the next. So I was driving around. So I did a, a recon a few days before and went, through, you know, drove the course a few times. So I obviously know the course. I've had athletes race that before previously, like Jeannie Metzler did it earlier. She actually raced the same race with Taylor at Worlds. So she took second. Um, so getting to know that and then moving around so I can put myself in a position to pass on that information. When, she, when she's coming past me every time, you know, she was on and she was like shouting for she was requesting information herself like what is this who is where is this person etc so she didn't switch off i was i wasn't surprised she's definitely the type of person who doesn't switch off but um she was constantly like trying to be situationally aware i think it's one of one of her strengths um for sure so yeah Oh, okay. And I, I really didn't want this to become a, the, the Taylor show by any stretch, but just to, to close out on that, because I, I, you know, I do, she, you know, her, the way she bikes and it was particularly noticeable in a sense, even though it was much short course in, in Montreal, her just kind of relentless ability to, to maintain a pace. And is that, <clears throat> is that partly her own racing ability that that kind of attritional riding but is it also uh, very much is she acutely is she particularly good at knowing being able to accelerate in places that other people aren't so good at or i don't want you to give away too many secrets here but at the same time if you could give away all think, the secrets, that would be great <laughs> i mean there's no there's no secrets but um the the, the truth is is i think even before I started, so my history with Taylor before I started coaching is she used to be part of a, uh, a junior team called Trident Multisport. It's based in Florida, but she would re- she would represent those as, as when she was in high school, etc. And then that was actually when she started to realize, I think, that she could actually she had actually had some bike strength more comparatively comparatively to other girls in her in her peer group. <clears throat> then I started working with her in the end of 2015, um, beginning of 2016. And that's when she won her first world championship. And then through, um, and before that, we actually put her into into the fray a little bit and she raced Montreal World Cup and actually broke away with Flora in that race and took third. I think Flora won. Um, Ashley Gentle took second and Taylor took third. And then we chucked her into Stockholm um, World Series race. Uh, amazing. I love that race. It's a great place. Um, and that was just before the the rio olympics so she was more mindful about taking people out than she was about performing well because they were all going to the olympics she wasn't as the type of person she is just thinking about other people all the time and then so it it became obvious that she realized that she had something you know different i think there's some 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 physiological differences to other people she may have longer femurs therefore longer levers something we haven't confirmed yet but um that and i think the mindset and the prescription of training she actually um, I stopped working with her in the towards the end of 2017 and she came back to me um, middle to the end of last year and so her trajectory in that period of time was like going up like she was going into it that was when she raced her first continental cup elite races I think she did about five or six of them and won them all like back to back so at first she didn't believe I was like okay this is what I want you to do a b and c and d and she would she came past me I think the first race she did was in Claremont in Florida she came past me on the bike and she was like and we gave her a strategy and we talked through it and she was like screaming out Ian it's working I'm like just keep riding what are you doing like, it's, just, it's just typical Taylor I'm like oh my god just keep going and uh 
and it's kind of been that thing that that level of belief in in what me and her have achieved because she stopped working with me in 2017 but she came back and you know and has achieved amazing things since so she's always had that there's something she develops herself my job is just to nurture and help add to that you know her strengths are her strengths they're they're like i'm not taking any credit at all but i think the collaboration we have in the prescription of training and how she is very critical about that too like i like the fact that she is and the best athletes are this way they are they will they will ask questions they want to know why what is this like and as soon as you give her that, she's like, okay, this is exactly what she says. Okay, then, and then off she goes and just goes and crushes it. Like, it's phenomenal. So, um, and I think going back to what we said at the start, like having that belief process is really what's the key here. Something that she lacked for a period of time and has that and therefore is able to execute. But it's a collaboration. You know, I'm not responsible for her results. She is. Like, my job is to help her and push her forward. And the same with all my athletes. Like, my job is not to, you know, like I'm consistently trying to to figure out what is the best for each individual. And I've been very lucky in doing so. And everybody has taken that on board and we work all really well together and work well together as a team. And it's like phenomenal how many great results we've had and, and how it's all worked, worked, worked really well together. And it's not just Taylor. Like Taylor's just one of those people and she's a standout this year for sure. Um, so yeah, I think it just epitomizes the way we as coaches and other coaches work very, very, very similar to me. I've really good friends around the world who coach other athletes. And we talk about this. It's, it's an interesting concept. And Antonio Sirat, you're, you're working with, right? Still. I haven't, I haven't worked with Antonio this year. Um, right. So like, I think as soon as one COVID happened, it was actually very difficult. He was one of the guys who couldn't get to, um, to the United States. Some managed to secure, um, passageway if you like for athletes to get into the usa because there's a travel ban i think that you can there's communication through olympic committees etc that can help facilitate that and um he was just the, one of the guys who can get across so he stayed and worked with a spanish coach for the rest of 2021 right great guy though like the guys the guy's phenomenal like his work ethic it's very similar to taylor actually he's hilarious yeah. as well like you get to know him guy is hilarious but like amazing fun to work with he's so sarcastic it's brilliant but yeah that guy <laughs> that guy's got an engine and he is definitely one to watch for the future phenomenal yeah, person. i did i did sort of you know there are definite similarities like you say with with taylor and she's obviously breaking into breaking in she's doing you know knocking on the door for <laughs> many years now but um yeah like an incredibly strong usa team of women and then antonio there mm. with Mario and Javi and Fernando that have been sort of taking the you know the headlines and and probably the spots but he must be he must be so hungry to to make that step now you know Javi's stepping down Mario we don't know quite what where where he's going to be next season in terms of what races he'll be doing and yeah it's interesting because there's always and I think COVID and the the shifting of the Olympic Games putting it back another year has just like opened the door to so many new people that have just popped up is amazing. We came to some of these races and like, who's this athlete? This is amazing. Like somebody's come out. And I think Spain has got a lot of those athletes up and coming too. So it's going to be really interesting over the next three years how the sport is probably going to develop and change. I think that happens after every Olympic Games. Um, some people will move on to long course and other people will retire. Other people get jobs within the sport and it's fantastic and give back. And 
and yet we get to see new people like like i'm excited i've taken on several new people this year and i'm excited to, to push them forward over there between now and paris and and the la games yeah yeah it's the a and r sort of side of it something that you quite get a kick out of is it quite stressful kind of thinking about you know presumably there's a lot of eyes on a lot of athletes coming through and you obviously want to work with the people that i'm sure a lot of other people do as well so um i don't yeah i don't um i think this is common for most coaches i I don't know any coach that actually goes out actively recruiting athletes that this doesn't happen i think you know i think when you're dealing with um up and coming juniors u23 athletes maybe but generally that's because you work with other development coaches and goes that way but at this level not really i think people want to they, they see how you operate they see what you do they see what you're how your athletes operate and you know they all all they all know each other so they all talk and yeah, so yeah. i have a, a lot of athletes coming over because because of many different reasons whether it's because I, th- I think some the biggest one of the interesting thing is about the relationship you have you know with an athlete and how you develop that like that's what i love is developing that relationship with an athlete and, and how, like getting them to believe in me and then enabling them to actually achieve these massive goals like and some of them like unattainable or you think so and then all of a sudden you're like they're actually smashing it it's phenomenal so having that i think is is a is a big thing with like the rotation of it you know new new people come along and you know my job is to continue um supporting and helping athletes in the in the direction that they want to go hmm. and it's not just obviously the, the new ones coming through i mean you Flora was working with you on, on specifically on swim sessions, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, so, that yeah. was something that obviously has, I, I think, you know, she would say has, has improved leaps and bounds. Like she's had a really good season in the water. And I don't know, yeah, any insights from working with her, from bringing her into a group? I can imagine her work ethic is probably through <clears> the roof, <throat> the sort of person you would really want to expose young, young athletes to as well, is she? Yeah, yeah. So Flora is coached by uh, Nate Wilson, really nice guy. Um, who's he's also a he coaches a professional cycling team too. But I know she also works with other coaches too. She's very individualized. You know, has a run specialist. Um, I think she works with Bobby McGee, very very talented run coach, and um, with a massive background. You know, and she puts herself and sets the conditions for her own success. So she puts herself and surrounds herself with people who are going to give her the best. I mean, she's. She also has an amazing husband, um, Dan, who who supports her massively. And, you know, I don't have a lot to do with Flora's training at all outside of like her her swimming with us. Um, but, yeah, she's absolutely been phenomenal in the pool. And um, she's just a normal person. I think um, they all are at the end of the day. I think um, it's interesting. You just have a chat with her and you just forget how successful she is. And you're like, wow, she's just such a normal, nice, giving wonderful person to be around and great to be you know coming joining you know our group for swims and um yeah like it's interesting because before before the swims and after the swims is like little conversations and stuff like that that's kind of where you pick up on a lot a lot of things especially for me on like how athletes are doing like i like to communicate and talk like and engage and like flora's flora's conversations are always engaging so yeah, she's she's got some some good snippets. So, but she's hilarious, like as well. So she's such good fun to be around, and you can see that with the people she works with too, and who she actually has working with her. All good people. So, 
And I think it's really important. You know, you've got to build an environment and surround yourself with good people who will push you, but also make it fun, you know, and she's definitely one of the people to do that. It's actually interesting because after, um, um, after the kind of the race is finished, we had, um, in the pool, I had basically like four or five Olympians at the time, like Taylor Spivey, um, Taylor Nib and Flora Duffy, all three of them on the championship podium for the women. And I didn't even realize until afterwards, like, oh, I don't know, I mean, I'm just, a, you know, and Taylor was just dropping in. She's coached by Paolo Souza, another great coach um, who coaches like a big, a big team with um, Valerie Balthemi and um, a bunch of others. And um, so she come in as a, as a guest athlete too. So we, we, we have a lot of people dropping in to our program, which is great. I'm very open to that um, as long as people operate at the right level. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic. Like, there's nothing better. Like you can look, you can go through it and you deliver these workouts and they walk away and how you're having a good time. You're affecting people's performances and trajectories for the future. And you're just playing a very, 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 very small part in what they're doing, but it's a pleasure to do that. And so, yeah, I'm honored to, to be, to get given those opportunities. And um, I don't take any credit for that. Like what they do is what athletes do is what they do. My job is to help facilitate that as best I can. Yeah. But the buzz for delivering a tough session and see them all finish it and taking something out of it and their own kind of buzz at pushing themselves. Yeah, I can imagine that that is a, a great feeling. And and I, yeah, bringing people in and being able to use that to help keep sessions fresh, right? That must be a, a challenge in itself. It's you know, we're back in the pool again, and uh, you know, the last thing you want is people to be like, oh god, yeah, here we are again. So yeah, is you know we're we're yeah. ticking into December. Is, is this the sort of time? What does December look like for you? Is this a, a time where you can take a step back and start to have a few more like lateral thoughts, plan for the future a little bit, and be like, right, just you know, let the mind wander into things that you can bring in. That I guess the, the kind of the grind, the hamster wheel, doesn't let you do. Yeah. So. Um... They say there's an off season, but there's no such thing as an off season. Um, I, I've been trying to give myself an off season for the last seven years. It's not happened <clears throat> this year. This year, I achieved it, believe it or not. And and I think actually COVID helped me do that too. So I managed to get some time for myself. But but what it did allow me to do is I had two weeks basically of really no comms with with athletes, and that gave me time to actually go back and do like my end of season reviews. So we do reviews all the way through the season so we can keep our finger on the pulse and remain accountable. But it, it enabled me to have time to kind of like think about how I can enhance my operational capability next year and moving forward and what we've learned in this exploration process. So, um, so no, December really kind of, everybody is kind of like finished their season in a different place because different athletes I have have raced different races. And so they've, done an unload period and a regeneration kind of period already i call it the i have like a, a general preparation and a specific preparation gen prep and spec prep periods we're currently in the gen prep period so now we're just generically preparing ourselves for the coming year ahead so over the next few weeks we'll do some specific analysis of each individual so for example i'll bring in my i'll bringing my swim specialist Gennadius um, to to do some video and using accelerometers to figure out points in their stroke which need to be changed and then my job is to collaborate with him and swimming is one of those things that I don't come back come from a background of swimming so I've had to learn 
to be better. And so I've sought out the best people to do that. And now we have some of the fastest swimmers in the world. So it's, it's, it pays dividends to actually do that as a coach. And so we'll be doing that for, that'll be the first week really. So we'll be doing loads of swim analysis, breaking things down, developing new drill sets, which then get implemented in the training sessions that we have in the first quarter. And then it gets, they get analyzed again and then we keep changing. So whenever we do a swim, for example, the first part of that, the warm up, I don't, they're on their own so they get in the pool at a specific time and then they then they go and they work through that and have very specific uh, swim warm-ups that they're very familiar with and i repeat that because repetition creates belief so and it also gives them a like a a consistent um touch point of knowing where they're at in terms of like okay i'm feeling really good today okay i, I know what to expect of how i'm going to perform in this in the swim and if they don't then obviously my job is to help them develop and change that and be bold um and so so we'll do that and that will formulate what we do in the first quarter in terms of like swim um, transformation if we need to transform or like uh, specific focuses. And my swim, um, especially technique work, is not conventional. So the stuff I do and it's how I operate as a coach, I don't just take what other people have done because tradition paralyzes performance. And my job is to, is to innovate. And so I'm constantly looking at new ways of developing my swimming, cycling and running strategies and everything else in between the other modalities that we have to deal with. Um, and so I'll think about the best ways of doing that. And they're not always what you read in a book or what you would commonly know. And swimming is definitely one of those things. Like my swim drills are not the normal thing. So I work with uh, Gennadius Solovakis to, to do the analysis and then I take that information and then figure out exactly what I need to change in the stroke to, to make things better. I and mean, it's worked really, really well so far for those people who actually repetitively um, um, go through that, that process and, and repeat those drills. Um, and then we'll do the same for the, for the bikes. So we'll go through various things that I, I don't work on just, you know, um, I'm looking at what the demands of competition are. Um, I'm lucky to have, like power profiles from many athletes over the years and knowing exactly what people need and and you know developing that but also in terms of like handling etc these are always things that we need to to be better at so there's a skills element to it which continues through this the, the first part of the season um it's definitely something that some of my athletes have like really really done well with i think we'll 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 do some gravel bike training so we'll be doing like group rides on gravel bikes on trails believe it or not they're quite wide trails like gravel trails so it's not like on a single track um and actually do a ton of other stuff to be more situationally aware etc so putting different methods in there which enable us to train when it's you know the weather's not great um and but also have some really really positive um effects and then we'll do the same with running so i'll um do my own analysis may bring in one or two of my specialists to also look at people's runs um and then there'll also be like other analysis too through like my strength trainers um uh, to really kind of like identify strengths and weaknesses and areas of opportunity that we can actually strengthen people and having that really functional i use erin carson out of rally sport boulder who's fantastic because i will actually go in and do the strength session sometimes with the athletes because i want an understanding of what she's doing and this is really interesting because I'm like, oh my God, like this, this X, this exercise here actually works on the top part of the pedal stroke. Fantastic. Like, so having somebody and working with people who are um, thinking next level and also not conventional, like actually thinking outside the box and trying to figure out how to make people better is hugely important. And so I have like a, a, an array of those people for advisors, stuff, people that my athletes don't get to, to talk to people that I talk to and who are, um, kind of resources for me um from around the world and 
and then I have people who work directly with my athletes, which are obviously service providers. Um, so we'll do that and then yeah, go through those processes through December and that'll continue on until January. Um, and then we just start really experimenting a little bit. I mean, we're in, still in that phase where it's such early part of the quad um, that we can actually do that. And and as we go into next year, really, the, the emphasis is going to be on working backwards on the timeline from the first races. And the races start quite late next year, apart from Miyazaki World Cup, which is um, like normal time, really, but not for Miyazaki, but for the first race. And then figuring out who's doing what and how we're actually going to implement things. So this gives us an opportunity to kind of extend our preparation. So with the stuff that we've learned this year and everyone's been through that, this exploration process and I've given people goals and like giving somebody a strategy in a race, like, um, like I gave athletes, okay, in this race, all I want you to do like is, um, in terms of a, a tactic, something we've worked on is I want you to like, I want you to be in a certain position on the bike. And then I want you to push wide. I want you to push forward. And I want you to see what happens, you know, just experimenting with that and just giving people several of those in a race to see what happens. And sometimes they pay off, sometimes they don't, but you learn a lot. And those are the things that we'll take away and move forward into next year and start to actually develop within um, more races and, and training events. So hope that answered your question. That was quite a long one. <laughs> that does not sound like an off season. You're quite right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Layer upon layer. It's fascinating stuff. I've got to say, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you, you you sort of think I think all right I've you know prepared some questions here and I think I've covered all bases and then these layers keep revealing and you yeah I can talk about this stuff all day it's a problem it's a problem I have so I have to I have to figure out how to I think the thing I need to work on as a coach is stop talking I think <laughs> yeah so I don't know what it is that, like it's the passion like I love what yeah. I do I just, it, like you say, you just open up more layers. And as soon as you learn something else about an athlete or yourself as a coach, like, oh my God, like, what can I, like, where can I take this? Where's this going to go? Where's this going to lead to? And I think that relentless persistence and drive to be better and to figure out new things and not be constrained by tradition or ego because they're paralyzed with performance can just open up the world to all sorts of opportunities and potential like it's for nice that's why coaching and sport is just such an amazing thing like so many things you can do but people yeah. get to work with like it is phenomenal it's, and it's the it's the most po positive rabbit hole you could possibly go down you know if you think getting lost yeah. for half an hour and you're just scrolling <laughs> through absolute crap and then actually you know there are things like coaching that yeah if you if you want to just dive straight into so okay um just it's nearly the season to sort of overeat and make unrealistic fitness plans. So given we've just covered high performance, you know, pretty, pretty comprehensively, I think as far as amateurish athletes, you know, triathletes wanting to, you know, this is slightly selfish from my point of view here as well, but um, you know, if, if, if there was, you want me to hire thing... you, you want to hire me as a coach dog? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're trying oh, to do? This, this is where <laughs> I was going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant i'm a blank canvas um yeah just the one that's been left in the garage for too long but yeah like you know could you have a couple of universal useful tips for for like be it for uh, ideally for a swim bike and run or you know whether it's a mental thing or just something like a basic that people should who aren't aspiring olympians um should bring into their racing yeah. Number one, have fun, have fun with what you're doing, because that's going to bring a new level of motivation and motivation. 
Um, I've heard, you hear all sorts of hashtags like motivation is fake, da, 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 like self-discipline is a thing. But if you have fun, then you're going to get yourself out the door. And if you're getting yourself out the door, that means you're going to drive consistency. And if you've got consistency, then you're going to, you're going to show, you know, you're going to, you, you're going to have potentially more, um, like you, you're going to continue to grow. Right. So, so if you're being consistent, um, you're going to see those, those changes in yourself, like mentally and physically moving forward. And then you're just really going to enjoy the process. So mm. I think have fun, be consistent, um, you know, I think that's the, those are the biggest two things I think that you can do. Like, you know, yeah. That's funny. I, I had to, I, I can't remember what it was. I had some sort of random question about like the fact that I just spent quite a lot of money on some headphones that I can wear while running, but my actual running shoes are a piece of crap and, you know, <laughs> worth about 15 quid. But the headphones <laughs> make me go out and do it. And, the, you know, the, not, it's, the trainers it, are what they are. So that, that ties in. All right. I'm yeah I, I mean that's a huge part of what it's a huge part of it you know like you know if if you're turning up if my athletes are turning up to my session for example i mean this this is across the board and they're not and they're turning up going oh the drudgery you know people talk about the grind i hate that phrase i hate that phrase like oh, it's the grind no the grind is the grind is miserable like we don't want the grind we want to go out there we want to have fun and we want to crush it and we want every, every don't get me wrong some days are hard some days are miserable and some days you just got to push through and that's where you've got to make it fun if you keep making it fun um then you're going to enjoy the process if you enjoy the process you're going to see the benefits if you see the benefits you're actually going to feel like you're actually achieving something you know and then you, you you're going to surprise yourself you know, because the human body is amazing and it can adapt to anything you throw at it pretty much, you know, and people have different um, genetic dispositions, of course, but like the truth is consistency, hard work, enjoying the process is a healthy thing to do. Sport is awesome. You should engage. Yeah. Brilliant. Is, is there something from your, you know, when you say tradition paralyzes performance or you know you've got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and so on these are there are there things like that i don't know that you're is there, is there a specific just to close things out nicely like from your from your military background something that you know you think gives you a very unique perspective on on what you do and something that that you learn that you just try and instill in your athletes as well from specifically from your time in the military yeah i mean that's that's actually a complex question i spent 16 years um working in an environment mainly in a reconnaissance unit and other jobs um and deploying to various countries around the world from kosovo bosnia iraq afghanistan plus all sorts of other other places too and in those environments um i think humility because anything can happen and you have to deal with it and move forward and, you know, remain flexible. I think some of the things I've said today are because of what's happened through my military experience, spending that amount of time, you know, deployed or like engaging and developing, you know, soldiers, you know, so, um, yeah, I think, I don't think there's anything I can say like a a lot of the sayings I've said actually come from that background, I think, and they, mm. they cross pollinate through business and sport, like I mentioned before, but I think really like people have goals and they get anxious about things. And I, I generally don't, it's not that I'm a psychopath or anything. I think it's just cause I've been through experiences, which have been, <laughs> you're laughing, but um, I think it's cause I've been through experiences, which 
I've taken a lot of resolve and I've had to stay in control at that point in time because things are a lot more serious than they are in sport. So, and I'm, that's why I'm here doing this because I spent a lot of my time enforcing foreign policy, if you like, around the world and, you know, and, and other sorts of jobs I did, but, but this gives me an opportunity to give back. And I think when you look, when I look back at my experience in the military and I think about what, what I've, what I've done, where I've been, but more importantly, and this is the key here is the people I worked with and how those interactions developed and worked and that teamwork and the emphasis behind following good values and standards and good operating procedures and having, you know, doing the right thing all the time, every time that epitomizes what I do now as a coach. So, you know, Mm. my job wasn't like a drill sergeant shouting at people and all that kind of stuff. It was like, like you put in a position on your own with autonomy to get a job done because it's an important job. You know, I don't want to go too much into that, but but um, that had a, has a massive effect on how I coach. And I think that's what I try and develop in, in athletes. And I see actually those leadership principles developing in athletes that I coach, not in a military sense, but in the same kind of, they, they could quite easily slot into that job in a specialized environment and actually crush it quite well, I, I think. I think there's a lot of things that cross-pollinate between really like, um, high functioning military units and elite athletes and, you know, really successful entrepreneurs in business. Elite business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, Ian, it's been very interesting. I must say, thanks ever so much for, for coming on. I'll, um, I'll share my yeah. calendar for the next couple of months. If you can find a little window for a week or two. <laughs> You're welcome to come out and join us. You know, like <laughs> I'm a big proponent of like sharing what, what we do. Like, I don't think what we do is special. I think we just live by, um, you know, the, some of the things we've talked about today really, and just, you know, enabling things to happen. And I think that's what makes it so worthwhile, so satisfying and for everybody involved. And, you know, we're, we're a team and we work together and we're, we're having a good time, but we're achieving things, you know, we're, we're st- like, I'm relentless, you know, no matter like, the stuff we've talked about, I'm relentless in performance outcomes. So I want to make sure that people achieve their goals. Like that is what I will live and breathe and help push people towards. And I think most coaches who do what I do operate the same, they have the same ethos. They may not operate in the same manner, but they most definitely like have the same kind of thing, pushing athletes to achieve their potential goals. Brilliant. Well, look forward to seeing you and them achieving them next year. <laughs> seeing yeah. you course side somewhere holding up your board and Taylor whizzing past going, it's working, it's working. <laughs> I've got so many stories like that, it's unreal. Like, oh my God. Oh, so funny. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Doug, for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I will see you out there for sure. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Cheers, Ian. Take care. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye.